welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting from Scratch Supply Co. We're recording today in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. And we're really excited to be here. We have a knitting-related topic that we want to talk about, but before we get into that, there's something else that we really would like to address. So we would like to acknowledge, even though we're a week out from Mm -hmm. the event at this point, the tragedy, the hate crime that happened in Atlanta last week. There were eight people who were murdered by a white supremacist. These people were Asian American, or I'm not sure if everyone was American, and frankly, it doesn't really matter. No. And they were sex workers, and they were murdered by a man who the media is saying had a bad day, which is unacceptable and disgusting and yeah. I think really diminishes the the tragedy and tries to make excuses for and take the light away from what a terrible, misogynist, disgusting, racist thing this is. So what's important here is that we see what happened for what it is and not Karen and my opinions on this. We have an Instagram post up that will point you to the voices that we're listening to about this right now, but we're acknowledging it on the podcast to say really directly to white people who are listening to us um, that we need to do better. Yeah. Like, this is not okay. Like, we need to be raising our kids better. We need to be reaching out to people in our community, including family members and strangers we see on the street to <laughs> to tell them that their racist behaviors are not acceptable like even the smallest things things that are microaggressions like they need intervention from people within the community to to say that it's not okay because otherwise things don't change yeah the bad day narrative is just completely broken like that's the most broken way of presenting this. That feels like a really heavy way to be starting off this podcast because because it is, because a tragedy and a hate crime has taken place. So don't be complacent. Go read, whether it's the the posts that we have linked or other voices that you have found on your own, and take care of yourself, take care of your community. And we're, now we're going to talk about some knitting. All right. So, Karen. Yes. What are we here to talk about today? What's our topic? We are here to talk about fit. (laughs) Fit. All right. So, like, sweaters? A lot of sweaters. Tops. Tops. We're going to avoid shorts today. You know I want to talk about shorts all the time, but I think... (laughs) Um, Yeah, we're going to talk about shorts later. So... Here is a mistake that we see frequently with knitters. They know their bra band size, and that's the size sweater they knit. Huh? What if you don't wear a bra? I mean, you may still know your bra band size. Uh, Or your arbitrary clothing numbers. It's just arbitrary clothing numbers. So I think for people who wear bras in particular, Mm -hmm. a lot of people who wear bras where other clothing, where all of the numbers are completely arbitrary, right? Like the Venn diagram of bra-wearing human and human where you could be one of 85 different sizes depending on what store you're in 
is not a complete circle, but it is, there is overlap in that circle, right? If you're a 36, 38, 42, 54, whatever bra band size, that may be the only real number involved in any of the clothing you ever purchase. And so people remember that number. And then when they're looking at a sweater and they want to know what size to knit, that's the number, but that's your, that's your rib cage. I would also like to add that for most people, that number's not accurate either. True. Like, Very true. You tried on a bra in a department store when you were 16 and you got a number on a bra that maybe kind of felt like it fit you. And I think people feel tied to that number and it doesn't necessarily accurately reflect whether or not that fit you well or was really comfortable and it's elastic and like it's complicated. You are asked to procure that information at a point in your life where you are not, for most people, you are not comfortable with your body to begin with. And so the thought of either whoever it is, a family member or somebody who works for the department store, helping you get this information, which is often how this goes, like mm -hmm. mentally, we all just need to throw those numbers in the trash and find out what that number actually is. Yes. <laughs> also, I feel like we've kind of jumped in mid-step here a yes. little bit. But like we're we're talking about this weird broadband measurement that some people have attachment to because from a shop owner perspective, we encounter knitters all the time who come in who want to knit a sweater. And when we ask them if they know what size they would like to knit, they say, oh, I'm a 36. And we say, you're a 36 what? Right. And they're like, well, my bra is a 36. And then we say, okay, let's back up a couple of steps and talk about what that number means in relation to how sweaters are measured. Right. Like where, where measurement lines are for hand knits and how those numbers do or don't relate. Like we need to reframe this. So we're going to spend some time talking today about what all of these different numbers mean to help you make choices to get your best fitting sweater, no matter how you want it to fit. Right. But oh, the bra band number. <laughs> like, it's like a, a spiraling point for us because people have big feelings about it. And people have big feelings about measurements and numbers associated with their bodies. Right. Period. Like no matter what size person you are or how your body is shaped, and that's unique to each of us, there's a lot of emotional attachment or disassociation from those numbers. Very much. And I would like to preface this whole conversation by saying they're just numbers that are tools for you to make better choices as a knitter. And there's no value associated with any of them. There aren't like good numbers to be or bad numbers to be. These are just the numbers you need to know so you can make good choices for your resulting project. We had a chance to watch the Knit Stars class from Jackie Sieslack. If you're not familiar with her, she's a very body positive designer. She has a new book that's just coming out called Embody, and it's um, knitting and sewing. Is there any crocheting in it? No, it's, it's knitting and sewing, and it's like based patterns with lots of adjustments. You can take these like shapes and make them how you want them to be. So you have lots of finished garment options. And in her class, she talked a lot about how, you know, for some bodies, it's not actually the chest measurement that is the deciding factor for whether a top is going to fit. 
it's the upper arm measurement. It kind of depends on the designer, but designers will have a list of all of the different measurements that you can use to make your decision about what size you should be knitting. And we're going to talk a little bit about how you can just adjust and kind of invent your own size too, but sort of where to start when you're making one of these garments. And the place you should probably start is if you have an experience where like when you buy a shirt from Kohl's and you're like, it fits me everywhere but the shoulders. It fits me everywhere but my arms. It fits me everywhere but my, you know, my hips. Like it catches there. Whatever that spot is for you is a good place for you to start making your decision about what size sweater to make for yourself or top or whatever. And then you can adjust from there. But that's very much an individualized thing. And if you don't have that experience, if you're like, oh, when I buy a shirt from Kohl's, it's, it kind of just fits or it doesn't, like there's not a sticking spot, then the chest measurement is probably going to be just fine. Like, great. Yeah. Good All spot. bodies are shaped different and that's beautiful. You just have to figure out what works best for you, which right. is very trial and error. Like it takes, it takes practice yes. and a willingness to like think about what's comfortable and what's not, which I think lots of people are kind of socialized not to do. Right. Right. Yeah. Ready to wear clothing just is what it is. And I think a lot of us have feelings about how we don't fit into these clothes when really these clothes are weird cookie cutters. Yes. That don't fit you. It's not the other way around. So knitwear is your opportunity to make your bespoke magical clothing <laughs> that fits you how you've always wanted it to. So when I was doing my, I feel like every single one of these podcasts, I'm like, when I was doing this weird thing that's unrelated to knitting, when I was training as a Pilates instructor. You, you do a lot of weird <laughs> things, Karen. And that's no judgment. Make which, your choices. Which I did when I was in grad school because I was obsessed with it. It like helped my back and all this kind of stuff. But it was like my weird side job that I had while I was in grad school. We talked a lot about how people who have chronically sore necks don't know that they have chronically sore necks because they don't notice it anymore. Their neck hurts all the time. Everything they do, their neck hurts. And like their brain has just kind of switched that information off and they are under the belief that that is just how necks are. And I think that's how people are about their clothing a lot of the time. Like shirts are uncomfortable. Oh, well, right. Maybe, maybe COVID has taught us all. I heard somebody refer to the opposite of sweatpants as hard pants. Like they, they have maybe <laughs> as a result of all of us kind of being working from home, those of us who are, we've maybe recalibrated so that hard pants are going to become less acceptable. But like we do with a lot of the things that we wear, spend all day just being low key, not okay. <laughs> that brings us to choosing sweaters and patterns and knowing about your body enough to know what will fit well and make you feel good. And you'll end up with a sweater that you're really pleased with or a top or a tank or whatever it is that you're making. So let's start talking about patterns and measurement and things. Well, maybe first we start by talking about ease. Yes. What's ease? So Ease, I think, often feels really mystifying. Mm -hmm. What does it mean? <laughs> it is the amount of space in between your physical human body and the garment that you are creating. Ah. So if you're knitting a sweater that has a suggested 
two inches of positive ease. Mm -hmm. What the designer is telling you is that they think you might want two additional inches of fabric relative to your physical human body, usually at the widest point of your chest. Mm -hmm. So positive ease is a measurement that's bigger than your body measures. Right. And so sometimes you'll see patterns that are like 18 inches of positive ease. And then you look at the picture and you're like, oh, yeah, like an entire toddler could fit inside of that. <laughs> Along it's with billowy and right, loose. Right. That, that sweater belongs in anthropology or something, right? <laughs> like very, like that's a look. Yeah. Or you'll see sweaters that are like zero. I feel like you see less zero ease than you see negative ease. Yeah, but zero ease is a thing. And you know where I think I see zero ease more in patterns? Less frequently with sweaters and more often with things like t-shirts. Oh, sure. Like kind of summer warm weather weight tops. So zero ease just means that it measures the same as your body measurement does. But also knitting is elastic. So like, you know, you're not going to feel like you're stuffed into a pair of nylons or something. Like, <laughs> you hope. I mean, I, I guess I guess that maybe depends on what materials right. you're knitting it out of, but probably not. Like, you know, there's some some flexibility there, but zero ease measures the same as your body does. And then negative ease. You see that with like Jessie Maid's tops where she has like the bralettes and mm -hmm. crop top kind of tight fitting things where you actually knit it with negative ease, but it has ribbing in it so that it just ends up kind of hugging your body, which you do want a bra to do mm -hmm. because you don't want it to, you don't want to fall out the bottom of your bra. You need it to like be against, <laughs> your, <laughs> against yeah. your rib gauge. So the designer Poison Girls, they do a lot of like kind oh, yeah. of pinup style, vintage inspired knitwear. And a lot of their designs have negative ease because it's kind of, you know, it's bodycon. Like it's, it's to accentuate your curves and your lines. So it's like body hugging knitwear. You also find a lot of negative ease in socks. Yes. <laughs> good. That's a really good point, actually. Like this isn't just sweaters. You get negative ease in socks because you don't want your socks to fall down. Although that is also a style, I think. Slouchy socks. Slouchy socks. Yeah. But I also not? feel like you want slouchy socks to a point. Well, you don't want floppy socks. Right. <laughs> slouchy is different than floppy. Like kind of cute, like slouchy on your ankles is a thing, but slouchy floppy on foot. your foot. <laughs> it's like watching um, like a toddler walk around the house with like three inches of sock flopping off the front of their foot. <laughs> we have to stop talking about babies. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. But that's a, that's a floppy sock. You don't want floppy sock. Right. Because I'll cry when I see you. Oh, it stresses gosh. me out. Yeah. Okay, anyway, so ease. There's positive ease, there's zero ease, and there's negative ease. And that information is telling you how the designer thinks that this garment is intended to be worn. And what's really helpful as you're looking for a pattern is when the designer gives you a lot of information about the yes. person you're looking at. So it is that person has a chest measurement of... 42 inches and is wearing a sweater with six inches of positive ease. So they've knit a 42 inch chest measurement sweater. And then you can make your decision like, oh, I like how that fits on that person. And I'm going to measure myself at my fullest point and maybe get help doing that. We're going to talk about that in a minute. 
and then I'm going to knit the size that gives me six inches of positive ease. Or you can look at that and say, mm, I like that, but I don't want it to be quite that big. I'm going to knit the size that gives me two inches of positive ease. So while I know she is not the only one doing this, I'm going to bring up Jessie May as kind of like our gold standard for this. So I think that we are in the early stages as a knitting community, like entering the golden age of size accessibility. Like the conversations are being had about how to make knitwear more inclusive for more bodies. And it's been sorely needed for a long time. But now we're at a point where like when you see calls for design submissions, there are expectations that there be a broad range of sizes to fit lots of different bodies. When you're looking at a size inclusive knitting chart, it will range from like low 30 inch high 20s for the smallest size measurements upwards of like mid 60s into the 70s inches for chest measurements today like now that's our current state i can remember like 5 years ago i would look at knit patterns and on that long scale i am very squarely like in the middle of sizes and I can remember looking at sweater patterns that I wanted to knit, and they were not graded big enough to fit my body. Like, I was an outlier, and I'm very middle range in the wide range of bodies that exist. So people who are kind of pushing the industry in that direction and doing really good work, Jessie May does a thing in her pattern listings where a lot of times she will link to her test knitter spreadsheet. Yes. So you can click through and see the Google Doc with knitters' body measurements, the measurements of the garment that they chose, how much ease there was, what they thought about the intended fit versus the actual fit. And you can look at that and kind of find yourself yeah, and make those choices. And I think that having access to test knitter information is something that's really new for the community, but it's so valuable. Oh, it's so important. Much. You know, if you go to Ravelry and you're looking at the patterns, like the finished projects for a pattern, mm -hmm. I think I'm probably not the only one that does this. You go through and try to find someone that you're like, oh, that kind of looks like me, right? Like, that's what this will look like on me. But often you don't really know. Like, I know how tall I am. I don't know how tall the person in that right. picture is. I don't really know. You know, I, I always think about that, that shirt that you sewed <laughs> a whole long time ago. Yes. That... It didn't fit you in the hips. It didn't fit me in the shoulders. Like, what? You know, and it wasn't It wasn't a strangely shaped shirt. It was a shirt. Mm -hmm. But like, what even, you know? If this is a capacity that you are cultivating in yourself, like if, if this isn't the way you have thought about your body previously, a resource that I actually found really helpful, there is a ready-to-wear clothing company called Universal Standard. Mm-hmm that has really size-inclusive clothing. And if you just go look through their listings, they have this kind of information about their models. Like you click on their jeans and they will show you somebody in every size wearing those jeans and will tell you a little bit about them. Like, like you know how tall they are. <laughs> right. And that was just really helpful to see. It was like the body project that happened a couple years ago where people would just like post pictures of their height and their weight, you could see this whole gradation of humans that are all sort of wildly varied in a million different ways. Yes. This is 
just as an aside, this access to information about bodies is occurring in tandem with the same thing in the sewing community. Yeah. Where sewing designers are becoming more size inclusive. And if you are part of the sewing community on Instagram, you will see that in people's bios, they have started listing their body measurements. Like you'll see a string of numbers and it's a person's height, it's their bust, it's their waist, it's their hips. So when you're looking at things that they've sewn and you're like, oh, I think this person's kind of shaped like me and that looks amazing. And you realize that you have an 11 inch height difference, right? <laughs> that that's valuable. Like that tells you, oh, we're kind of shaped the same, but also we're at very different scale. Yeah. Well, and it's like, it's like Jessica and I. Jessica is fully four human inches, regular inches, all inches taller than me <laughs> when we're standing up. When we are sitting down, I am taller than she is. Yeah, proportions are weird. <laughs> I'm all leg, no torso. <laughs> right, whereas my legs are three inches long. And <laughs> yeah, I, Violet's legs may be longer than you. Yes, definitely. At this point. <laughs> That's been true for like three years. <laughs> Which means, right, I remember I've only ever knit one cropped sweater for myself. And I didn't lengthen it. I went with the pattern. <laughs> and then I went, oh, no, I knit myself a bra. Like, I knit a sports bra and had to go back and add, like, four inches, and it's still a cropped sweater. Mm -hmm. Because I have a very long torso, and that's just how it is. And that's the kind of thing that, like, you... Through the process of making your own clothing, particularly if you are somebody who is able to make your own clothing and can get to the point where you can look at it without judging it. Mm -hmm. And this is why I think we started talking about the bra band thing. There is somebody who I know who was doing this thing where she would buy sweater quantities of yarn. She would spend all of this time knitting a sweater. She would knit it to her bra band size because she was very attached to that number and mm -hmm. then it wouldn't fit. Because she is not, like, her body is not the width of her rib cage for its whole torso. And then she would feel really depressed about herself and her ability to create things and then her ability to wear things. And it, like, turned into this whole big spiral until finally one time, and it was happening remotely, you know, she was trying to figure out how much yarn she needed. And I asked her what size, and she said, like, she said she was a 36. And I was like, I know you and no, you're not. What are you doing? And it like literally years yeah. she'd been buying yarn from us to knit sweaters and then just feeling sad about them, like quietly sad about all of these sweaters she'd made. And now she can knit them and wear them. Which is fantastic. Which is amazing. So so let's talk about that. Yes. Um, I know you mentioned earlier, like Jackie Seaslack's talk about arm adjustments and like figuring out where your sticking points are but let's talk like very generally you know this is my first time diving into choosing a sweater and we're using standard sweater measurements yes when i look at a size chart on a knitting pattern for a sweater what are those numbers referring to so your chest measurement is your your chest at its fullest point okay and that's actually, I would say, one of the hardest ones to measure on yourself by yourself. Yes. Because it's very common if you just have your measuring tape and you want a tailor's measuring tape. You don't want, don't go grab the measuring tape out of the toolbox because yeah. that thing's made of metal. <laughs> <laughs> 
if you don't have a tailor's tape or like a soft measuring tape that will wrap around your body, you can use a piece of yarn or string Yes. in its place and then lay that flat and measure it. And use the, the metal one. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing, so I have a friend who is an upholsterer. Mm-hmm. And she posted a picture a while ago now of her tailor's measuring tape next to a yardstick. Oh, yeah. And she was like, this is why things have been so hard. Because it had gained like two inches by the end of the of the meter or whatever it was. And like, so if you have a very old tailored measuring tape, that may also be something you need to look at. Like just spot check whether it's stretched over time, if it's mm-hmm. like a 30-year-old measuring tape or whatever. So you want to wrap it around at the fullest point and don't, it's so tempting, like especially if you have a person helping you, it's really tempting to try to adjust your body when it's being examined mm-hmm. in any situation, right? But like, do your real posture, do the way you actually stand, don't suck in, don't do any of those things you wouldn't be doing when you're just being a person. Take a big deep breath and just kind of let it out and let your body relax, deflate. <laughs> right, right. You want accuracy. Like, right. If you're standing up extra tall and sucking in, you know, your midsection and like holding your posture funny, at some point you're not going to be standing like that. And if your sweater's knit to fit that form of you, you're going to be sad. Oh, it's going to be horrible. <laughs> and not to be a blamer, but you will only have yourself to blame right. under those circumstances. Like, right. you just have to like relax and be one with your body for just a minute while you're making this choice about what size to knit. Yes. So at a time when you're able to go into your local yarn shop, you can ask your local yarn shop for help measuring. You could ask, you know, a family member or something like that. If you're doing it by yourself, you just want to make sure that the measuring tape hasn't gotten kind of caught down at the lower part of your shoulder blades. You want to want it to be horizontal with the ground as much as possible. Let it run parallel. So, and then other spots, it's really tricky to measure your own upper arm. That might be somewhere you would maybe want some help with. You could always just drape it around and you Mm want to do it with, so this is very body dependent. If you have large muscles, you might want to flex your muscle to make sure that you're not going to bust out of your new sleeve like the Hulk. If you Mm -hmm. were ever like that is a movement that you make. Your waist, sometimes you'll see very detailed waist measurement information there's like high waist low waist 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 um usually waist is your belly button yeah i learned about waist measurements most accurately from my experience sewing i got a book about sewing pants and your your waist is important in pants yes so <laughs> the way i learned to measure waist is you take a piece of string or a piece of elastic And you tie it around your midsection and then just kind of wiggle and let it move to where it sits naturally on your body. It's naturally going to move to your waistline. You want to like bend sideways, like sing the I'm a little teapot song (laughs) in your head or out loud because it's kind of a cute, fun song, I think. And like, (laughs) well, I don't know. Sometimes like you take a critical eye to all sorts of things and you're like, oh, no. right. Right. But I think... I'm a little teapot's okay. And then just kind of like, you know, tip tip yourself over and pour me out. And where, <laughs> where you're actually bending is where that measurement, the measuring string will kind of settle. That's your natural waist, which might not be what you think of as your waistline. 
Because you said belly button, but some of us have oh, right. funny short or long torsos, and your belly button might not be at your like bending point waistline. So here, we're back to Pilates again, Whew. because there's <laughs> stuff where you are having people like lie on their bellies, and I used to always use belly button as a cue, and my instructor trainer was finally like, "Do you know that people's belly buttons?" are all over the place. And I was like, I did not know that. And she goes, oh yeah, some of them, they're like, some people's belly buttons are kind of up between their lowest ribs. Some people's belly buttons are very low relative to, you know, what a, I don't know, a bikini spread in the JCPenney catalog would have you. <laughs> like, <laughs> bikini spread. <laughs> I'm just trying to think like where you would see pictures of people's belly buttons. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like you can't assume really anything about anything. The other thing, mm -hmm. if your body is such that it changes shape significantly when you sit down. Aha. Uh -huh. Check your, because at some point you're going to want to sit down in your sweater. No, this is my standing sweater. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sweater you only wear when you're tall. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she likes to be tall. Um, <laughs> you could sit down and see, like, if you're trying the tie a string method, if you sit and it shifts or all of a sudden that string is very uncomfortable, you might want to make make a note. Yeah, make a note. Make it be ready to make an adjustment. Mm -hmm. Same is true of your hip measurement. Oh yeah. People's hips change a lot when they sit down, which may mean that depending on where your sweater hits, it may cause it to ride like ride up. And mm -hmm. you may not want that. You might be fine with that. Yes. But you may not be fine with that. Yep. There are lots of good resources online for seeing visuals about what we're talking about here. Yes. And there's also a website called My Body Model that makes a, I'm probably saying this wrong, a croquis, which is like an outline like fashion designers use of your actual human body based on a whole bunch of measurements that you take and put in and it like generates a little humanoid humanoid shape of you. So Karen, if you wanted to like design something to fit your body, you could make a little Karen paper doll and then draw the sweater onto it and know that like, maybe I do want that to sit a little bit lower because you have the actual proportions in front of you. Instead of trying to envision what your body yeah. looks like, you have a paper doll of you in front of it, which is kind of a cool tool. So that might be worth checking out. Could I lie to it about how long my legs are just so I can know what it would look like if I had adult-length legs? <laughs> you could. You could just, just yeah. to... Just to... I hadn't thought about what it would be like <laughs> to put in different numbers to see what a taller or shorter version of you would look like, but you could do that. What an interesting thought experiment. <laughs> the other thing, go buy Jackie Cieslack's new book. Go buy Embody. We yeah. don't sell it at the store yet, but go find it and buy it because she has all kinds of wonderful information in there. She's not the only person who is putting out information and focusing on size adjustments and like making adjustments for yourself, but she is very good at it. So go see what she's doing. The other thing uh -huh. is, especially as you are learning about your own body, like if it's your first top or whatever, mm -hmm. maybe choose something that's top down so you can try it on as you go. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, things that are knit in pieces and then seam together or knit bottom up are much more difficult to try on and fit as you're making them. 
than something that you can just pop on over your head and pull down around your body. And our my my big hot tip on being able to try on top-down stuff as you go is that you should, when you put your sleeves on waist yarn, make it enough waist yarn to put your arms through. Because what I always do, pro tip, is I'm like, oh, I just need a little bit. I want it out of the way. And then I spend the whole time I'm knitting the sweater being like, I don't want to move it to bigger waist yarn. I'm just not trying this on. So just set yourself up for success from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So we've talked about ease. We've talked about how to take body measurements. Yes. Now it's time to spend a minute thinking about what our patterns are telling us. Yes. So can we talk about my Sandoval sweater? Sure. Let's talk about your Sandoval sweater. (laughs) I think we've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. I think we talked about this in the Sweaters Gone Wrong episode, if I'm remembering correctly, Mm -hmm. when we talked about this before. I love this sweater. It's a beautiful sweater. It's a beauty. It looks great on the dress form in the store. It (laughs) looks really fantastic on the dress form. Frankly, it looked pretty good on me, too, if I just never had to separate my elbows from my ribcage. It's your standing and (laughs) not moving your arm sweater. (laughs) it's the sweater that helps me learn what it would be like to be a Tyrannosaurus Rex. So that sweater did not have a bust measurement. It had a chest and upper arm measurement. Mm -hmm. And I didn't read good. (laughs) And it's one that when you look at it, they want you to knit it with like 18 inches of positive ease. And I was like, I don't want 18 inches of positive ease. Narrator, she did. (laughs) Narrator, she very much did. So this sweater is shaped like, I'm trying to think how to, um, it's like a... It's like a swancho. It is. It's like a swancho. It's just little sleeves on a knit body form, but not form-fitting body. Right. So it's like the yoke kind of continues. It continues all the way down to your elbows. And so I knit something that would fit, and then I was just like, wow, I'm really not splitting for the sleeves yet, huh? I'm really not splitting for the sleeves yet. (laughs) I'm just going to keep going, and everything will be fine. And it was. And I put that sweater on, and I was like, I love this sweater. And then I moved my arms, and I was like, oh, I have knit myself a sweater. Like, I could totally wear it with a tank top under it. Sure. Or I could wear it if I didn't care at all about whether my belly was cold. But uh-huh. like, <laughs> but I do care about that. We live in New Hampshire. And so like I, if you move your arm even a little, it lifts up because I didn't pay attention to what the pattern was trying to tell me. And I just rolled right ahead like a steamroller with my knowledge about my measurements and didn't apply it to the situation. Mm-hmm. So that's a cautionary tale. <laughs> it's important to both read the pattern as well as look at the pictures that the designer provides and projects that other people have knit. And very specifically, when you're trying to decide what size sweater you want to knit, since I think most often like the one continuous number through sweater patterns is going to be chest measurement. Mm -hmm. And as designers work on being more comprehensive in their size inclusivity and they're drawing more and more detailed sweater schematics, you're starting to see more of these measurements like upper arm and, you know, like depth of whatever. Like there's more numbers available to you than there ever have been. And yet it's still not 
industry standard to have that in every pattern. But the one number that probably is going to be there is the chest measurement. And the language around that number is important. Yes. Because it's either going to be chest measurement where the designer is talking about your human body. So it is for this size, for a person with this chest measurement, or the designer is going to have finished garment, finished measurement. That information is telling you that after you have knit and blocked this sweater, the measurement of the chest of the sweater is this set of numbers. There might not be a body measurement at all. It might be finished measurement and the designer recommends six to nine inches of positive ease. So if I know that my body measures 46 inches, I would be looking at 52 to 55 inches as the size that I wanted to knit if I want that range of ease. So paying attention to whether it's the sweater's number or your body's number is important. And six to nine inches, just as a little bit of an aside, uh, six to nine inches of positive ease isn't that much ease because it's not six to nine inches sticking straight out from the side of your body. It's like the circumference of the sweater. Mm -hmm. If you held a ruler and had, you know, a a ruler that was only nine inches for some reason (laughs) and had that sticking straight out from you, you would, it would be sticking like three inches out from the sweater. So that's just something to keep in mind too. Like that's really, that sounds like a lot, but it's really not that much. No, not when you're talking about circumference. Like if you have a sweatshirt at home that's really comfortable that you love to wear and is bigger than your actual body measurements, it might have six to nine inches of positive ease. It might have 12 inches. That's a helpful tool for you as well. Like if you were like, okay, I've taken my body measurement. I know what this number is and I can't envision what this amount of ease would actually be like. If you have a garment that you really like at home, a sweatshirt, a sweater, a t-shirt, and it fits you comfortably and you really like how it looks on you, measure that at the chest and use that as a piece of information. Like that amount of ease is something that you like and you might find that it's 2.5 inches and you might find that it's 19 inches. Right. And Either way is fantastic. Like that's good information for you to have so that you can make informed choices about what you want to be wearing. You will often find in sweaters, they may or may not. I mean, it totally depends on the design. They may have waist shaping. Mm -hmm. And usually what that means, those are usually sweaters that are marketed to women. Yes. And a lot of times the difference between the, and I'm using quotes here, the women's version and the men's version of the sweater is it does or does not have waist shaping. Mm -hmm. Usually what that will be is sometime, you know, partway down the body of the sweater, you'll do a couple of decreases, then you'll knit for a couple of inches, and then you'll do a couple of increases. Usually that's what waist shaping looks like. You can always not do that. Mm -hmm. You could always add it in if you wanted it. Or totally, totally alter it. Like maybe you want it to taper. Oh, sure. Right? Like maybe you are narrow through the hips and the waistline and broader through your shoulders. You're going to want to choose a sweater size that will fit through your shoulders. And instead of decreasing at the waist and then increasing for hips, you just keep on decreasing till it's the number you want it to be. Yeah. Or the other way around. If you have narrow shoulders and wider hips, you could omit the decreases and just do the increases. Mm -hmm. The only thing you need to think about if you're going to do something like that is the multiple of stitches you'll need to do your ribbing at the bottom. 
So don't, you know, if you have like a two, two ribbing, you need multiples of four Mm -hmm. to make that work out. Don't do a number. Like if you're adjusting, don't end up with an odd number, right? Don't end (laughs) up with a, with a number that's going to make you have to be like, oh, right at the bottom. The other thing about this, and this is just a little bit of a word of caution, because like when you start thinking about this, it's like, oh, I am going to make all of these little microscopic adjustments so that things exactly fit my body everywhere. And you totally can. You absolutely can do that. Mm -hmm. The one place where people feel very comfortable making these, well, I guess two places, feel very comfortable making these kinds of adjustments are in body length and sleeve length. I think people are more comfortable with the idea of their, their arms being a different length than the arbitrary length that the pattern designer's arms happen to be than they are with the thought of their torso being a different length. We used to have this conversation a lot with people who were picking patterns and they would look at it and say, I like that. I just wish it were longer. Surprise, surprise. We had good news for them. Yeah. I think that people aren't necessarily comfortable adjusting that. They, it's, you know what? I think for lots of us, following knitting patterns feels like following a recipe. Yes. Like, I don't know what will happen if I deviate from this. But you know what? It's not baking. It's cooking. Right. Like you have you have room to make adjustments and experiment and change the seasonings and do, you know, you want it spicier? Good. Add more spice. Right. You like more garlic? Guess what? Load up. <laughs> Yeah, so you need longer sleeves, make the sleeves longer. If you like three-quarter length sleeves, fantastic. Stop knitting. <laughs> like, like these options are available to you, and it, it doesn't take an enormous amount of math or technical knowledge to be able to make these kind of minor adjustments that make a huge difference in how you feel about your finished sweater. Yes. So if you haven't knit a sweater before... Maybe it's time to start thinking about it. You could have it done for the fall. <laughs> you don't even have to work on it really fast. Like, take some measurements and do some meditating on what you want this sweater to be for you and dive in and start a new project. Oh, I don't know if we said this before, but just to take us back to our measurements, it just occurred to me, if you have taken your measurements, but it's been a while. Oh, do them again. Measure again. Like every three to six months, it's good to do a little check-in because our bodies change for all sorts of reasons and it's not good or bad. It's just what bodies do. And if you have measurements from three winters ago, that's maybe not accurate to the sweaters that you're going to want to knit for later this year. So like do a little update. Can we talk about bras again for a second before we move on? Yeah, let's roll bra time. If you are a person who wears a bra, Mm -hmm. measure your chest in the bra that you're probably going to be wearing most of the time. Oh, like wear the bra while you're measuring your body? Yes. Yes. Like, you know, if you you are somebody who wears sports bras every day of your life, don't put on your one fancy underwire push-up bra and measure your chest and then be like, oh, womp womp, you know. You don't want to wear a wonder bra if, (laughs) if you usually don't wear one at all. Right. Like for whatever reason, you just happen to be wearing one the day you find your measuring tape. And then when you finish and when you're trying on, and I am guilty of this, I'm absolutely guilty of this, but if you're, you're knitting, you know, especially if you're somebody who knits at night because it's your cozy pre-bedtime thing to do, and you're like, I'm going to try this on, and you usually wear a bra and you are not wearing one, don't feel sad about the fact that it's like, yeah, or like if you wear a binder right. and you're not wearing one, right. 
and you put on your sweater and you're like, uh, I'm feeling weird about how my body looks in this. Wear the foundation garments that you right. wear when you wear sweaters. Totally. And that will give you the best image of how this project has worked out for you because you want to feel good and you want to look good and you do look good. You just need to like wear yes. things how you would wear them out in public to get clear perspective on how it fits you. Yeah. I, I finished a sweater last week and it was late at night. It was like one in the morning and I tried it on over my pajamas and I was like, oh no. And then I, I had to stop myself and be like, wait, I don't wear my lumpy jammies out in public crammed under my sweat. Listen, (laughs) maybe, maybe you do. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. It's all about perspective. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So tell us what sweaters you're knitting. Let us know. We want to hear all about your projects or what you're thinking about knitting. How about you, Jessica? What's on your needles? Oh, so nothing. What? Nothing. Podcast over. We're done. Yeah. (laughs) We've finished knitting. Um, No, I So I just wrapped up. I finished knitting the test knit I was doing, the back roads wrap for Brand Moody. And it's on my projects for the test knitters on Ravelry. And it's on my personal Instagram. So you can go see that if you want to, I guess. (laughs) I think my heart just stopped. Like that answer has destroyed me. Yeah. I mean, I have like an in-progress sock that I'm not currently knitting and I have two, is it two? I have one sweater. Do I have two sweaters? And a dress? No, it's one sweater and one dress that are like work in progress projects that are just hanging out. So it's my Tomas that doesn't have sleeves and my Lada dress that I'm still working like the yoke area, but I'm not knitting any of those right now. I am thinking. That's terrifying. I don't know what to knit next. <laughs> I don't. I have I have like summer weight top dreams and I think about flutter butt shorts and I don't know if I'm ready to commit, but like I have I have thoughts, but knit I don't have an actual shorts. project. Knit the shorts. Ah! She talks about them all the time, knit the shorts. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see what happens. What are you knitting, Karen? I finished my forager. I love it so much. I am so excited. I only had to knit four and a half sleeves or something to Mm -hmm. to make it to the end. It was fine. I love the elder from Ritual Dyes. It is like the coziest. I just love this sweater. I think we've probably posted a picture of it. We've definitely done it on the shop Instagram, probably on the make good Instagram. I totally just like danced around the house the whole first day I was wearing it. I was just like obsessed with the sweater. And then I cast on my Barnheart by Nora Gone and it's knit in the um, Julie Asselin Nurtured. I have not knit a bottom-up seamed sweater in a long time, and I'm really excited to see how this comes out. Like, as of the moment we're recording this, I'm about a foot into the front panel. I just started the um, texture. I'd be be done with the front panel. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, you would. You totally (laughs) would. That many inches. (laughs) Done. Yeah, and I, I love it. I absolutely love it. That yarn is so gorgeous. I do have my eye on um, Alicia Plummer just came out with a a sweater. Justin's flannel? Justin's flannel. It's like a, like a waffle texture sweater. Mm-hmm. And I am thinking about knitting it for two different people, actually. I am like obsessed with, I think it's gorgeous. It's so a beautiful sweater. I'm having to like very intensely focus on my Barnhart so I don't get sweater wandering eye, which. Good luck. Right. It is fake. <laughs> <laughs>
Are you ready? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I am. I am ready. This is my favorite for a letter. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. This letter comes from Anna. Hi, Anna. Ten years ago, oh, I spent a few months in Alaska. Sweet. <laughs> I came home with some Arctic kiviet. Oh, wow. The first project I made was a cowl that I do not like and do not ah. wear. It's too wide and too short. My question to you is, can I frog this completed project and somehow salvage the precious yarn to put it into a different project that I will love and wear? Do I just unravel it and wind the yarn into a ball? Do I need to wash it or do anything to it prior to knitting it up into a new project? Do you think it'll be all kinky and funky if I frog it? This task seems daunting, but I really want to put the kiviet into a new project. I believe I'll have about 250 yards of natural brown and about 200 yards left of a dark burgundy. Any suggestions on a worthy pattern I should consider for the special fiber? Poof. While Jessica is thinking, can I just say... I, t- I spent, a, not months, but a little bit of time in Alaska around the same time you were there. And I am so sad that I didn't think to buy any kiviet while I was there. So good job, Anna, at being a better planner, knitter person than I am. <laughs> yeah. What a cool thing. And what an amazing amount of fiber you have. Yes. To do something very awesome with. So let's let's take this in pieces. Mm-hmm. First of all, yes, you can frog your cowl and reclaim that yarn so that you can knit something you're actually going to love and want to wear. Because it's a cowl, I would spend a little bit of time looking at it to see if it's easy to see which end was your cast on end and which end was your bind off so that you're picking out in the like picking out the bind off on the actual correct end. It will make it a lot easier than trying to pull from your cast on edge. If you can figure out where you wove in those ends and just kind of back them back out, it will avoid you having to cut into any of that fiber. I don't know how much you've worn this cowl, so I'm not sure if there's like, you know, if it's if it's seen somewhere or you just knit it and we're like, I'm going to tuck this away. But yes, frog it. And what I would do, because chances are good that fiber is going to be kinky is if you have a Swift at home or like an Amish Swift or a chair with a high back, frog that yarn and like wind it into big loops. You know, don't just like wind it into a hand wound ball. Um, You want to turn it back into a skein. And if you have like shower curtain rod loops, put those around it so that like loop it around your strands of yarn to kind of hold that shape like how there are little individual ties on a skein of yarn to keep it from getting tangled. You can get those little shower curtain rings Mm -hmm. at the dollar store. The ones that work really well for putting around skeins of yarn. I was really mystified and baffled by where to procure those things. And so like (laughs) the only place I've ever found them regularly or reliably is the dollar store. So if you're not like a regular dollar store customer, that is where you should go look for them. And you yeah. want the little, the ones that are actually round that have the little like clicky, they like click into themselves. 
Yeah, they're like the the plastic ones, yeah. not the metal ones that might have like a snaggy hook right, on them or right, something, right. something that closes, clips shut. And if you don't have one of those, like you could tie with a different piece of yarn or like cotton kitchen twine or something, but something to secure the yarn that way. And then I would put it in a bath of soak, like cold water, just let it kind of hang out and let those fibers relax. So I, I will admit I have never frogged a project knit with Kiviet. And I don't have a good concept of what weight your yarn is. So if it's heavier or if it's a lace weight, like I just don't know. But if you're fine, and I also don't know if like you knit it in lace or if it's a simple stitch, but if you're having any sort of trouble pulling the yarn out, like as you're frogging it, I would say to try our freezer tip that we learned from the yarn harlot. I would imagine that won't be much of a problem because Kiviet doesn't have barbs. Yeah, that's right. It's smooth fiber, but but I've, still learn. Yeah, yeah. Still, I don't know if there's like complicated cables or like, or if it's a blend. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, like I, I don't have enough information to be super clear. But if you're finding that it's hard to frog it, stick it in the freezer for a couple of minutes and see if that makes it easier to pull it out. Because you don't want to get like aggressive with your frogging on this <laughs> right, project, right? right? <laughs> you probably won't have to do that, but in on the off chance that you do, try that. And then after you let the, the yarn soak a little bit and then hang to dry, you should be able to wind it however you like to wind your yarn into a ball and be ready to knit. Yeah, I would think then you can use the shower curtain loop things for this too. If you just like have a hook and can hang it while it's damp, mm-hmm. that will like the weight, it's almost like blocking it, the weight of the wet yarn hanging will pull any like residual kinks out of your your yarn but you want to let it like let it hang yeah and then I mean as far as projects go like it really kind of comes down to weight and you know how how much yarn that like 250 yards will work out to be you know 250 yards of sock yarn is different than 250 yards of worsted weight. Yeah, and it's 450 total. So I would say you could probably get a pretty good size, like if you wanted a shawl or something. Yes. Our friend Melania uh, knit a beautiful Kiviet shawl that was lace weight on like, I think pretty big needles. Like it's just big, beautiful open work. And it's a showstopper. And It's so gorgeous. I don't remember how much yardage she had, but she um, picked a shawl pattern and just went. And it's amazing. But I would, if you want to use it as color work, you could you could do like stranded color work or you could color block it, do some sort of fade. I just keep thinking of the Jennifer Peck cowl. Like if you were inclined Ooh. to knit a cowl, the sisterhood set yeah. from Jen Peck is lovely color work. And that I think that's written for a DK weight yarn. So that may or may not work for you. But I would just say spend some time like browsing patterns if you want to use those two colors together. And I would be inclined to suggest to you to do something like a cowl or a hat or a shawl or something that maybe it deserves to be around your neck or on your face or on your head. Like Mm -hmm. your most sensitive skin has earned this yarn. So yeah, something that's going to be like touching your forehead or touching your your neck or whatever is your... And you want to show it off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Show it off. <laughs> <laughs> because some other knitter in the wild will see it and ask you, and then you'll be able to say, oh, <laughs> it's Kiviet. I did make it. Thank you. And be so proud. So yay, Anna. Let us know what you decide to do. Send us pictures. We love this stuff.
want to see it. I know everything about everyone's knitter life. <laughs> All right. I think, I think that's it for today. So sweaters, go knit a sweater. Take your measurements first. Tell us what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely take your measurements first. How could you not? Don't ask that. I mean, I know. <laughs> I've, I've seen it many a time, and it's never a happy ending. No. So take your measurements and go forth. Make beautiful garments. You can find us anywhere you get your audio podcasts. Uh, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon spotify spotify i don't know if there's somewhere you're trying to find us and you can't um let us know although how you would hear us telling you that is a mystery and (laughs) (laughs) subscribe sure rate and review (laughs) us it'll help other knitters find us if you want to see what we're up to follow us on instagram our account is at make good pod we're still thinking about a spring knit along so if you have suggestions for a pattern let us know yeah time for that is running short because we're gonna announce it soon yeah i don't know when but soon <laughs> <laughs> yeah it'll be spring well yeah. it is spring it's spring it's spring it was spring over the weekend yeah oh this is so hard to keep track of anyways this was this was good it was fun i think we're done <laughs> oh send us emails that too <laughs> Yeah, we're not even fixing this recording. We're just going out like this. Send us emails (laughs) because we want to answer your questions and hear your stories and see your pictures. Our email address is dearscratch at scratchsupplyco.com. And is that it? I think that's it. That is so it. Okay. (laughs) Talk to you next week, (laughs) y'all. Bye. Bye.